Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, and it's the Centered from Reality podcast. Remember me from yesterday? Um, if you are tuning in, you probably hear some kind of rumbling, wind, motion. I don't even know what you call it, but for the second day in a row, we are doing the driving through series, as we're going to call it, because yesterday we were driving through Wyoming from Casper to Salt Lake City, which is obviously in Utah, and today, here we are. We are in the Great Salt Lake, driving along I-80. Beautiful views out here, of course. Uh, we are in Utah, so driving through Utah. I'm sitting in the passenger seat again. I do drive once in a while, but there's something nice about just sitting and watching the view. Again, we just have this beautiful emptiness out here. Now, I was reading last night that, because I, I've always told people that I wouldn't really mind living in Salt Lake City. Um, it's kind of a smaller, big city. Obviously, it's near Park City. I grew up skiing out at Soldier Hollow in Midway. There's a lot, you know, going on out there, so it's it's nice. But that being said, the Great Salt Lake is drying up quite quickly. A lot like the Salton Sea down in Southern California, which I used to frequent. But anyways, the Great Salt Lake is drying up. I'm looking at it out the window right now. Every time I've driven by the Salt Lake over the last decade, it does seem to be less, <laughs> which is not a good sign. But now the problem is, is that as it dries up, there's a bunch of toxic minerals and chemicals in the actual lake and when the lake dries up that means it becomes dry and if you get some winds the winds could pick up the particles and let's just say there's a big city called salt lake city near the lake so if all the water dries up then you have pretty much a toxic sandstorm that could pretty much like take out the city so i was reading last night that as salt lake is a nice place to live at the same time, it could become kind of a toxic wasteland and air quality could be almost like toxic for people to live. That's kind of another woe of the West and of the Southwest specifically, right? Water crises. I mean, Lake Powell won't exist probably within a decade, probably less than that, to be honest. Lake Mead looks like a fraction of itself or a shell of itself, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, that might make you want to reconsider living out here in places like Utah where water is just such an extreme issue. But that being said, it is beautiful. Probably going to go on a run in a little bit out at uh, Bonneville or something like that, get some nice views, get some running in. I've been doing some, some runs out here. But anyways, you know, lots of trucks. And uh, as we're driving through Utah, I want to talk about the recent shooting that happened in, what was it, Half Moon Bay. I mean, California's had three mass shootings in less than three days, so not great numbers. But I actually wanted to start because my mom and I, she's sitting next to me here, we had a unique experience last night, to say the least. Um, let's see, how do I sum this up? We, we get to Salt Lake City fairly late, go out to dinner, get back, take a shower, in the hotel room. Um, once both of us have showered, we start watching The Last of Us, which is a great show, and I actually want to get into something about that later. But anyways, we're watching The Last of Us, the first episode. Finish it, and I'm brushing my teeth. She's doing something, and all of a sudden we hear uh, kind of some claps, like, cut, cut, cut. and I'm going, eh, it's probably just someone clapping. Now she thinks it's a gun, and I'm like, oh, it's not a gun. That wasn't loud enough to be a gun. And then we hear something like, ah, like someone screaming down the hallway. And this is really close to us. Like, we hear it very well, right? But anyways, we hear someone screaming down the hallway. And then I think we hear a few more, like, loud muffled sounds. And then the door opens and we hear people saying, let's go, or something like that. And a little more, like, squealing. And then something, someone, not something, bangs the door near us or the wall near us. 
and it sounds like someone's banging on our door, and I'm going, shit, like, you know, what are we going to do now? We're, like, in this hotel room, and something's happening in the hallway. But anyways, long story short, we wait for a little bit, and I hear Salt Lake PD open up your door, and they're banging on a door very close to us, because you could almost feel the rumble. And so we wait a little bit. Finally, I guess the people were gone. We hear ambulances outside, police cars. There's, like, eight or nine police now in the hallway, we wait a little bit, and then the police are now going down the the uh, hotel floor, knocking on doors and asking people if they saw anything, and also comforting people, because it was loud enough that it seemed to wake up everyone on our floor, and so anyways, this is like 2 a.m. in the morning, not really how you want to, it's not really the nightcap of choice, I would say, but anyways, so it turns out, you know, we see the, like, the police leave in the morning, my mom, I guess, sees housekeepers, and people investigating, cleaning up the room down the hall from us where all this noise happened. And it turned out it was a shooting at the time, and things could have changed because we didn't get any, like, really direct answers, but it sounded like at the time two people were in the hospital shot and something else happened. And I I guess there's just a weird, I don't want to say irony, but just kind of an insanity to it is because yesterday I talked about some of the shootings. Then, you know, we saw there was the recent one in Half Moon Bay, And I remember my mom and I were talking at dinner about how you just never know. Like, it could happen anywhere. There's just an uncertainty. And I was talking to one of my friends in Spain this morning, and I'm like, there's really nothing as American pie anymore, as as common as American pie, as mass shootings or shootings in general. And, you know, they can happen in small town USA. They can happen in a hotel room. They can happen at Half Moon Bay. They can happen at the Gilroy Garlic Festival in California, right? They can just happen anywhere. And, yeah, I mean, there comes a point where... Yeah, the uncertainty is kind of numbing. It's kind of numbing, and it's not not particularly great. So going off of that, since I recorded my thoughts driving through Wyoming yesterday, as we are currently driving through Utah, The Economist has noted this morning, in quotes here, seven people were killed in Half Moon Bay, which is a city in Northern California, in the state's second mass shooting in three days. Now, actually, side note here before I continue, there's, there was another one in Oakland, I guess, smaller, but they're calling it a mass shooting. And so there's been three, like I said. But anyways, the article continues from The Economist. Police have arrested the suspected gunman. Earlier, the death toll from Sunday's mass shooting in Monterey Park in Los Angeles rose to 11 after an injured victim died in a hospital. In both attacks, the victims were Asian American. So anyways, I I saw a press conference this morning. Sounds like this was some sort of workplace-related incident where the guy... The guy was like 66 or something. Like, to go a whole year... To kind of go your whole life and then end up doing this at that age, like, I don't even know what's in your mind to do that. But anyways, I guess he worked with the people he shot. They think there was some sort of grievance there. Like, clearly he knew they were there. I don't know all the details. They haven't really confirmed everything yet. But anyways... They say this was a workplace dispute that turned into a workplace shooting. Of course, from my understanding, the weapons were, of course, legally purchased. And we're seeing this more and more is that people are using legally purchased guns to kill people. So it kind of like blows up the argument that a lot of like really pro-gun right-wing people, NRA members say is like, oh, the guns that are doing the crimes are black market or illegal. Like, look at Chicago. Yes, of course, there is a black market of guns in South, South Chicago. Yes, a lot of the guns probably are not purchased legally. That being said, a lot of the mass shootings that we hear about, usually the person did get the gun legally or there was some sort of faux pas in the process, right? So these guns were purchased legally for this. Some semi-automatic gun, I saw the picture, looks like kind of almost a quasi-Uzi. 
those things probably shouldn't be legal. Like, I don't think an average Joe should be able to just go buy those. Like, look, I'm, I'm a freedom guy. Like, I, I think everyone should be free to do what they want. But it's the freedom of people to own guns is slowly starting to impeach, sorry, impede on my freedom to just, like, go outside and enjoy my life, right? Like, there's different types of freedom here. Positive freedom, negative freedom. And almost the freedom to own guns is becoming a negative liberty or a negative freedom where it's infringing on other people's rights. Like, I don't care if you're, you know, healthy, smart, sane. Own a gun, maybe keep it somewhere. I I know in Spain people can buy guns, but they go to... They keep them in storage facilities outside of the house so the kids can't get it. You know, it, it, it just seems like we've gone down this kind of peace and it's a lot of negative liberty on the right especially where it's like I want a right to own a gun and even though that might harm other people's liberties or I want to ban gay marriage because I don't like it even though it's going to hurt other people's liberties I want to ban critical race theory in schools even though it might hurt other communities who want their histories to be taught right so a lot of these negative freedoms negative liberties to me are harmful and if you look at like more libertarian ideas like the harm principle for example anything should be legal as long as it doesn't harm others that's why a lot of libertarians are fine with legalizing meth legalizing cocaine whatever because as long as you're doing it and not hurting others screw it but now the thing with guns is it's not just hurting yourself like of, of course gun suicides are up as well but now someone can go hurt others because of their freedoms and that's where i think we have an issue here so i've never understood the argument that you have to be pro guns laissez faire if you want to be a true small government libertarian anyways rant aside i just think things need to change here and in general we have a gun problem a violence problem an inequality problem and a mental health problem and i guess just a general crime problem that have all kind of manifested into this and i don't really know how we get out of it because it's so complicated and we're such a big country and we have such a strong gun lobby but in general it's getting kind of exhausting and tragic and people are fed up I bet we'll have Congress do some sort of like, you know, gold stamp bill that looks good and things will continue, right? So yes, interesting times. And of course, like I was talking to my mom and the hotel guy when we were asking him this morning about the little small shooting that we got to witness last night indirectly. And, you know, he's like, yeah, the crazy things people do in hotel rooms. And I'm like, yeah, I I guess that makes sense. But then at the same time, it's like, what do you really do in a hotel type of situation, for example? Like, do you have a metal detector? Do you screen everyone like the TSA? Probably not, because then you're just, you are infringing on just, like, freedom in general and personal liberties. Like, I don't know if that's particularly the solution either, but it just gets, it gets so complicated. I mean, I was watching The Last of Us last night, and this is kind of a side note, but it made me think about it a little bit, is you have FEDRA, which is, I think, the... Federal Emergency Disaster Relief Agency. I could be getting that wrong, but I think that's what FEDRA stands for in the show. And, you know, they use emergency powers when this fungal virus or fungal infection takes over, right? And they pretty much get rid of the U.S. government and become kind of a military dictatorship, right? And everyone's freedoms are gone, but also everyone is technically safe, even though, like, they hang people if they leave the quarantine zone. So, I mean, how free are you? How good is life? And... I think about it, like with viruses, with guns, with everything, like there's a fine line between trying to just eradicate something and also keep like society livable. And I think if you were just going to now enforce public safety in a really strong and stringent way, it might kind of erode trust in our society and make life unlivable at the same time. And 
yeah, it's just really complex, but we definitely have an issue that needs to be resolved, but we know that a lot of Congress are bought by the NRA. I wouldn't be surprised if we have Ted Cruz and Trump going to some gun rally in Texas now and saying we need to arm more people. Maybe we need people in factories to all have guns now. You know, I'm sure that'll be their argument, but you know, it's all bullshit and it just keeps going on and on and there's never really a stop to it. So maybe I'm just nihilistic. Maybe I'm just, maybe my glass isn't even half empty. It's just poured out. I don't know, but it just seems like things are not great, but as we drive through Utah, uh, land is getting more flat, 27 degrees out here. The emptiness just gets you kind of in a ranting mood, a thinking mood about everything. And um, so moving on, as we are driving through, uh, not Wyoming, that was yesterday, driving through Utah, I guess my mom here did say she thinks that the, the guys might have gotten away with the shooting. Who knows? That's right, Mom. Yeah. Yes, I actually heard them say, come on, let's get out of here. So, fun times. Anyways, always tragic. It sounded like, uh, you know, shady things happen and maybe less, maybe at least less public threats would happen if there were less guns. But anyways, we're going to move on from that because, you know, there's just too many things to say on that. I, I do want to talk about a few other things on this driving through segment here. Um, the next thing I do want to talk about is China. Uh, China, you know, has been, I've been talking about COVID in China, first off. Obvi- excuse me. Obviously, things in China have not been going well for them with COVID. I think I saw that they reported from December, I think it was December 15th to January 15th, they had 60,000 cases, which doesn't really check out to me. But anyways, on the side note, China's having a lot of like conjoining crises right now. For example, I was just reading this morning in The Economist as well that China's population actually fell for the first time since the 1960s. Of course, this makes sense when you had kind of the red era, the Mao era, have the one-child policy, which I think there was a giant fear of overpopulation at the time, kind of mixed with a lot of other factors. But now it seems like this has kind of become an issue mainly because you have more boys than girls. You also just have a society that is slowly in the decline. And this population boom that China's seen is going down, going in the opposite direction. And The Economist writes here, China's population fell for the first time since the 1960s. The government has long struggled to convince people to have more children. A shrinking labor force and aging population will increase pressure on the economy and the health system. So these are one of those issues, right, where you have an inverted pyramid where you have a a very small population of young people at the bottom of the inverted pyramid and a very large group of older people at the top of the inverted pyramid. And the problem is, is that you need a large young population to pay the taxes that pay for social security for the older people or whatever China's programs are. But you know what I mean? Like you need a large young population to pay for the older population. And when you have a shrinking young population and an aging old population, it's a nightmare. And I don't think this was projected to happen so quickly in China. Like it's an issue in the United States right now. It's an issue in places like Germany and Japan right now. Most of Western Europe are seeing this happen. United States, it's definitely happening, especially with seeing a decline in babies in the United States. But I think this wasn't supposed to happen so quickly in China. And I've already talked about how China's healthcare system is quite poor, especially in 
rural areas. Like China's a weird place where you have really rich people in some of the cities, but then you have places that look like it's a third world country in the 1850s and other parts. And so their healthcare system is in shambles. We've seen that with this giant outbreak of COVID that's happened recently in China. And this is only going to be getting worse. And I just see China as not... (laughs) not the country of the future that a lot of people keep talking about. It's kind of funny how COVID, no pun intended, pulled the mask off on a lot of things here because prior to the pandemic, you had the Belt and Road Initiative in China, you know, expanding their support, their financial soft power around the world. You had China's military, you had talks of China taking Taiwan, blah, blah, blah. And China also's military being more and more impressive than the United States. The problem is China's never fought a war with this new military. The problem is a lot of countries might not rely on China to pay their debts as China's reputation keeps getting blundered around the world. Also, you have Taiwan now somewhat more prepared and worried after seeing what Russia's done in Ukraine. It just seems like China's window is starting to close. And, you know, the Chinese people already had enough of the zero COVID policy The large protests, in my opinion, though, have opened up the doors for much larger discussions, much larger issues to take place in the country right now, involving other concerns like maybe government overreach, freedom of press. I also saw games like, what is it, World of Warcraft and others have now been banned in China today, and the young population is pissed off, which makes sense. (laughs) And I think the zero COVID stuff was really just a warning of what's to come, and Yeah, if I was Xi, I would be President Xi, that is, I would be kind of worried. Now, Peter Zeehan is a a guy who's really smart. One of his books that's probably my favorite is Disunited Nations. And it kind of just looks at, like, I guess if you were to zoom out on Peter Zeehan, Zeehan, I I always pronounce his name wrong. It's one of those two, (laughs) so apologies. I've seen his name written more than I've heard it, so that always is the case. But Peter Zeehan kind of believes that the world's going to go back to a deglobalized order. And, you know, the more and more you see, it kind of makes sense. He thinks places like the United States will do fairly well. Mainly his argument is that we have a great interstate system. We have a lot of waterways that are some of the most vast in the world. And also we have resource dominance in a lot of areas. And also we have Canada to the north and Mexico to the south, which is quite helpful. But anyways, he thinks China has about a decade. And I, I used to think he was kind of crazy. But it seems like that really could be the case. And he actually has a really good piece that he writes here on his own website, I think it is. And he's a geopolitical strategist, quite smart guy. Not everyone agrees with him. I know some people have pushed back on his recent Joe Rogan interview, which he did talking about this. But I think he's quite correct on a lot of different things. And what he says in this article in quotes here is that China is looking down the wrong end of a double barrel shotgun. One barrel loaded with a rolling series of government breakdowns. The other loaded with a tightening grip of Xi Jinping, the president. No matter which side goes off, China will be sent into a spiral of self-destruction. And he brings up an interesting example, and I've heard other people talk about this well in Foreign Policy magazine, is that everyone thinks China's in a lot better shape than Russia. Economically, I think right now that's true. But you also, I mean, just side note, have to know that China imports a lot of its food a lot of its food security is reliant on other powers. It also imports a lot of its fuel. So it is reliant on other nations. But anyways, I think people also don't realize that Xi, for the first time in Chinese history, or at least in the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party's history, 
she is one of the most isolated leaders. Mao Zedong, for example, actually had quite a line of succession, and he had other people in his orbit in case something happened to Mao or in case Mao died. In the case of Xi Jinping, everyone is kind of afraid of him. I guess that happens when you lock up anyone who disagrees with you. You create a darkness in your orbit, and no one wants to talk to you. That's always the, like, fun irony or paradox of the leader who wants to be all-powerful and all-knowing is that he actually becomes more isolated and less knowing. And, and the thing with Russia, on the contrary, and, and Zihan talks about this, is that Putin still has some elites with him, and he has like a small network of people he communicates with. But the difference is, is that a lot of the younger generation in Russia has left. Those that can flee and believe in democracy don't want to be there. But in China, everyone's there. It's just Xi doesn't trust anyone. So he's created kind of a blackout in his own orbit. And so the thing is, is that I guess a lot of U.S. intelligence basically say that they pick up Russian dialogue and communication because the Russians are just shitty at keeping it quiet or protecting their communication. So we actually hear what's going on between Russian intelligence, the Russian military, etc. That's why we keep hearing these reports when we some, you know, when we intercept Russian information or what Putin's doing with the Kremlin or Sergei Sizlov or whatever. But the difference in China is that we can listen, but we don't hear anything because there's really no communication going on. What I mean here is that Xi is so isolated that there's not a lot of people in his orbit actually talking to him. So, it's like we can listen, but the lights are on, but no one's home. And the worry is, is that Xi is so isolated, he's getting older, and there's really no line of succession. So you also then have the younger generations, the COVID policies, this societal breakdown that seems to be happening in China. And also, we might see millions of people die in the next year due to COVID because of how shitty the vaccine is, the healthcare system's awful, all the above. And so when you have all this mixed with a leader with no succession plan who's getting older, he might start, A, acting irrationally, but also, B, it could mean there's going to be a huge power vacuum if something happens to him. And so when you see all of these factors coming together, it's, it's somewhat troubling for what could be next in China. And I don't think anyone can really pretend, but I almost think the United States needs to work with China. Weirdly enough, I think... A, we need to help them prevent a global catastrophe in terms of COVID deaths, which inevitably will lead to a new variant just because there's so many people that are going to get it in China. I think the U.S. should send vaccines to China. Now, I don't know if they will accept them. Maybe we've tried. But I think we do need to work with the government as much as we have a beef with them right now because this crisis will be bad for the world. And we're going to have to keep watching it, but population decline is going to hurt China. The pandemic is hurting China. The war in Ukraine has hurt Xi's credibility. And you have to wonder what she's going to do with Taiwan as he becomes more and more isolated and the lack of communication hurts him. So that's another thing we're going to have to watch, another fun thing to watch. Anyways, uh, before we're out of here, driving along, driving through Utah, getting close to the Nevada border, getting close to Wendover, or Bendover, as my parents always called it. <laughs> my mom loves it when I say that. She's ready to stab me here. But Bendover, not the, not the best place out there, but, you know, it's where the border is and the time zone changes, but scenery is getting a little less pretty. You had the high mountains with the Salt Lake, closer to Salt Lake City. Now we're getting more to the flats, the emptiness. God, this lake is drying out. When it does, it will be an environmental catastrophe, but we need to find ways to prevent that. But anyways, okay, the last thing I want to say before we're out of here is I'm looking out the window thinking about classified documents. (laughs) 
and it's it's pretty insane because our buddy Mike Pence now has been caught with classified documents and he's made it very clear that he would never do that and it's careless blah 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 they're all so full of bs you can almost smell it like the weird sulfur smell we keep smelling on the side of the road but anyways mike pence according to the hill magazine former vp pence's team disclosed tuesday that documents with classified markings were found in his indiana home last week This is an announcement that cuts against Pence's repeated statements that he did not have classified materials in his possession upon leaving office. And CNN broke this story, I guess, this morning. And CNN also wrote that Pence has been asked over multiple interviews in the last five months whether he took any classified materials with him when he left the White House. Well, looks like he did. (laughs) Oh, God. You know, the... The funny thing is, this is kind of becoming like a game of whack-a-mole or something here because Trump, oh my God, what did Trump do? Classified documents. Oh, Biden, VP. Oh, look, now we have Trump's VP, Pence. My thoughts here is like, all of these are different. We're learning different things about each one. Like Biden's probably wasn't as bad as Trump's, but it's still optically a nightmare. The optics are just awful. Now you have Mike Pence, who's now looking like a hypocrite. I just wonder... If this is just one of those things that we've never really focused on before or really thought would happen before, but it's really common, like Hillary, right, with the classified emails, Trump with the classified documents, you have Biden, Pence. I bet Obama has some at this point. I bet George W. Bush has some. What about Clinton? Bill Clinton, I mean. It just seems like this is becoming like every day there's a new former VP or former president or current president that has it. And... We can do the finger pointing. To me, this is less of a left or right issue and more of an issue of maybe we have some kind of flawed rules about how documents are A, classified, and B, how we treat higher-ranking officials dealing with them. Because let's be honest, I, I hope to one day work for the like something like the State Department. If I had classified documents in my apartment, I would be in prison, right? It's pretty obvious. But the thing is, I I wonder when you're maybe like Hillary Clinton, Secretary of State, or Joe Biden, VP, or Trump, former president, maybe people look away or just don't enforce it like they would the little guy who works with top secret security clearance, right? I just wonder if there's kind of like an overlap there that's, or some sort of double standard, I guess is a better way to put it. But I, I I do think this opens up a conversation about how we deal with these types of documents and how we deal with people's handling. And of course, there's conversations to be had about we classify too much information, But it's never a good look, I guess, when you find just a box of classified documents at someone's private residence. That means anyone could get to them, technically. You know, a burglar could technically break in and get your documents. Stuff like that. Like, it just doesn't leave you feeling warm and fuzzy by any means. Really does not leave you feeling warm and fuzzy. So, we'll keep following this story. We'll keep following the Biden story. We'll keep following the Trump story. Because... I don't care if it's Republicans or Democrats who have them. There seems to be a bigger issue here at play. So, Also, it just doesn't help that all these guys are hypocrites. The Democrats, the Republicans, they all like it when the other side gets busted. And then when their own side gets busted, they say, Oh, well, we, we, did, we didn't know. So, anyways, as I look out at the beautiful reflections on the Salt Lake and the beautiful emptiness, it's just an interesting world out there. One thing on a positive note, I'll, I'll end, is yesterday before we got into Utah, um, 
we stopped in a town called Little America, which is named after Little America, which is a hotel chain. And now I've been trying to have this debate in my mind about whether Little America, it was a town and then it became a hotel, or if it was it a hotel that was named after the town. Anyways, I got a good run out there yesterday, and it was interesting. You know, there's, there's something nice about this part of the country, and it'll be nice. It's nice getting back to the West Coast. It's nice to be leaving Chicago for good. It's nice to be, you know, driving with space, and even in a place like Nevada that's so desolate, or Utah, or Wyoming, at least there's mountains and space, and you're a little bit less worried about just all the chaos. But then again, I guess there was a shooting in our hotel last night, so you really can't avoid it, can you? So... On that light note, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, whatever else there is out there. Have a good one, and uh, thanks for tuning into this Driving Through series.